If you or someone you know is getting a divorce, you may be worried about what happens to the property in a divorce, to all those assets you worked hard to acquire. What about joint debts and all that stuff? How does that get divided? Today, we're going to be talking about how property gets divided in a Texas divorce. And my guest is Hannah Rector. She's an associate with Hargrave Family Law. And we're going to be peeling back the curtain to talk about some of the issues that people need to know about so they can be empowered in the divorce process to make better decisions. And you're going to want to watch to the end because we're going to be providing five important tips on how to avoid costly mistakes in a divorce. Hannah, thank you so much for being here today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. We are talking about Texas and we're talking about property in Texas. Yes. So tell us, what is the general framework for dividing property in a Texas divorce? Well, as you may know, Texas <laughs> is a community property state. That means that everything that's earned or acquired during the marriage is community property that will be divided upon divorce. No okay. matter whose name is on the paycheck, no matter whose name is on the bank account or the car title, if it was acquired during marriage, it's presumed community property. So one of the big things that people come into the divorce process thinking is, well, that's my money because I earned it. Mm -hmm. And it's usually not the case. <laughs> it is presumed to be community property. There are exceptions known as separate property. And those are things that were owned prior to marriage, that you actually owned them full and outright before the marriage started. Um, also things that you received during the marriage as a gift or inheritance. So sometimes we, one of the first things we do is to kind of walk through and help people identify mm -hmm. all the property they have. And they often tell us, oh, I don't have any separate property. Um, and to which we usually reply. You have a wedding ring? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it right. It was a gift. And most people owned their engagement rings prior to marriage. So it is two forms of separate property. That means that the court cannot award it or divide it to the other party. It will be confirmed as your separate property if you can show that you did own it prior to marriage or that you received it as a gift. Uh, now, one of the things that is confusing about separate property is, you know, if you owned it before marriage, um, maybe it's a retirement account that you had mm -hmm. contributed to before marriage. Mm -hmm. And so it just has sat there during the marriage. You didn't put any more money into it. Uh, so it should be just separate property, right? That would be great. <laughs> Income and increases in value on separate property are community property. So those interest and dividends that come from your 401k that was completely separate, now those increases are community property. So what we need to do is look at what was the value of that 401k at the date of marriage. And that will be set apart as your separate property, more or less. And, um, and confirmed as yours. Everything else that's in the account is going to be community property subject to division. So when we, there's a difference, of course, when a when an asset has appreciated, yes. th meaning that, you know, if it was $100 when you got married and now it's $150 mm -hmm. just because of the appreciation, that, that $150 will be separate property, right? Yes, yes. But the income generated off of that, so like you were saying, interest is common, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cash dividends that are reinvested in the account. Yes. These can result in account being commingled, and yes, and that can be complicated to unwind. Yes, a commingled account is going to automatically be more expensive because if you're trying to account for separate property, often what we need to do is trace the account and all the funds that moved in and out of the account, so we can see each dollar is it separate, is it community. 
And if we're going to court, it's not just enough to say, oh, that's my separate property. Mm-hmm. The court can't touch it. Right. We actually have a higher burden in proving it, right? Right. It's You have to show more than our typical preponderance of the evidence. It's not just, is it likely? It's It has to be clear and convincing evidence. So you have to be able to show that it really is your separate property in a clear and convincing manner to the court. And that usually involves forensic CPAs and so forth. Yes. So what's one of the biggest challenges with proving that separate property? Record keeping. Often if we have a decades long marriage, we don't have ways of showing what all was separate uh, property versus community and how it was accumulated throughout the marriage. So keeping accurate records, receiving statements, preserving statements and showing those to your attorney when you're getting divorced is one of the ways that's going to help you prove your separate property in the divorce. So we we typically find that banks will keep records for about seven, seven years, years. Um, sometimes a little longer than that, but not always. So mm-hmm. it is incumbent upon the person who wants to be able to prove that separate property to make sure they have every single statement going back to the date of marriage. Yes, that's correct. Um, now, I, I want to talk about the house the, uh, because a lot of times people come into a marriage owning with one of the partners owning mm-hmm. a piece of real estate. So let's just say, you know, the house was bought. It was bought two months before marriage. There's a mortgage on the house. Um, generally speaking, who owns that house? The house will be owned by the party as separate property who owned it prior to marriage. Okay. However, that property is likely paid down. The debt is paid down with community funds that are earned during the marriage. That creates a reimbursement claim on behalf of the community property. So we can't change the character of the house itself. It will always be separate. But the community may be owed that amount back that it has paid down the debt. And one of the heartbreaking (coughs) things is realizing that even though the community has been paying down over the years, the debt, um, the community is not going to get to share in the appreciation of that asset. Right. The only, the reimbursement is the reduction in principal on the mortgage, which is often, especially in Texas, not the actual accumulation of the value that the home has gotten through the marriage. Um, and, and a lot of times it's something else that we see that happens in this common situation is that the parties will refinance during mm-hmm. the marriage and the spouse will who, who doesn't own the property will be added to the deed of trust to the mortgage mm-hmm. during the refinance process. Does that give them an ownership interest in the house? Usually not. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the facts around the case. If the parties have some sort of document that clarify that they are trying to convert it to community property or that the owning spouse is gifting the other spouse a half share in the house, yes, it may, it may convert it to a shared asset. But other than that, no, the refinance itself does not change the character of the house. Right. Now you're just, you're adding an obligor on the loan, on the Mm -hmm. note, who doesn't actually have an ownership interest in the underlying asset. That's correct. Um, And so that can be a big mistake. Mm -hmm. Now, these kinds of mistakes can be avoided uh, if at the outset, before you enter into marriage, you have a premarital agreement. Yes, that can set at the outset. How are we going to deal with accumulated assets? Sometimes you want to have a community estate during the marriage, but you don't want those 
incomes and increases in separate property to be considered community as they would be. And that's an easy fix with a premarital agreement. We talked a little bit about, you know, some of the benefits of separate property. If it's if you owned it before marriage, then in a divorce, the court can't touch it. It is yours so long mm-hmm. as you can meet that higher burden. Yes. You have all your documents in place and you can prove it's your separate property. What happens with community property in a divorce? Well, the court divides it in what's called a just and right division, which is not exactly 50-50, but we're not really talking about 80-20 splits. We're talking about maybe 52-48 in a disproportionate division. But 50-50 is usually a good jumping off point. Exactly. What are some of the things that the court will consider in doing that disproportionate division? I would say the biggest one is disparity of earning power of the spouses. Oftentimes one spouse is the only breadwinner or you know, earns significantly more than the other spouse. The lower earning spouse is likely going to get a larger share of the community estate to make up for that. And really, I mean, I think the thought is that the other earning spouse will be able to make up for it in, Quickly. in short term. Yes. Um, now, we talked a little bit, or well, I will just say, what are some of the other factors that um, courts are allowed to consider besides just the disparity of earning income? Fault in the breakup of the marriage, benefits the innocent spouse would have derived from continuing the marriage, who has custody of the children, the amount of separate property. If one spouse has a large estate of separate property that they owned prior to marriage, even if they're not the higher earning spouse, they may not get a larger portion of the community estate because the, the court thinks, well, you're, you're set. You've got your own separate estate. Great. So, but like you said, and I agree with you 100%, um, even when you have one of those reasons to uh, for the court to award a disproportionate division, they typically will stay pretty close to that 50-50. Yep. Yep. So, you know, it may be on a slam dunk case, you know, maybe a 55-45 yes. split. So it's really important to know what you have in your marriage. I think one of the things we also see is people are really surprised um, if they have sort of checked out on the financials that um, they may be thinking there's a lot more property there to divide when really it's been spent. Right. So it is. It's important to stay clued in throughout the marriage, whether you're considering divorce or not. Talk to your spouse about your finances. Get copies of your statements. Look over them. You know, look at your spouse's pay stubs if they share that with you, those kind of things. So you know, you know, how much are we contributing to our retirement accounts? What's in our retirement accounts? Do we have any loans on them? Things like that are really important to know. And a lot of people don't have that information at the beginning of the divorce process. And I will say we see uh, it's fairly common for couples to maintain separate accounts. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of times somebody might think that, well, that bank account is in my name, so it's just mine. I don't have to be accountable to the other person for that. Right. (laughs) And how do you respond to that? (laughs) (laughs) That's not the case. Um, As I said, if it's owned or acquired during the marriage, it's community property, at least presumed community property. So the other spouse has a right to see those those statements. Right, and, and spouses have fiduciary obligations. That's a mm-hmm. high duty of uh, loyalty and honesty mm-hmm. in dealing with the spouse. So, you know, even if you are, you have separate accounts for whatever reasons, mm-hmm. um, you know, you still owe each other some responsibility with regard yes. to how, how you use the money right. in those accounts. You're basically a steward <laughs> of your community property funds yeah. on behalf of the other spouse. And just because the boat's in your name or the car's in your name doesn't mean that the mm-hmm. other spouse spouse doesn't have an interest in it. Right. Right. That's where we look at the inception of title. Yes. <laughs> when did you acquire it? How did you acquire it? That's Those are really the big questions for determining the character of an asset. 
Right. And even if it's separate property, the other spouse has a right to know what it is, what's going on, what's the value. Those are all factors that may uh, weigh into that overall division. So yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, they do have an interest. Now I want to shift a little bit and talk about an area that can be really tricky and that is debt. We were just talking about debt on the house, but um, you know, is there such a thing as community debt? No. <laughs> That's the quick answer is no. Um, right. A debt is a contract between the lender and the borrower, period. The court cannot alter that original contract. You know, if we have a mortgage in one party's name, even if the house is awarded to the other party, the court can't go in and change that contract between the mortgage company and the original borrower. So we have to account for that. And how are we going to award these debts? You don't want to be responsible for a debt that the other party is ordered to pay that can end up hurting your credit if the other party defaults. Yeah, and we definitely do see that. That can be mm -hmm. a really dangerous mm -hmm. situation to be in yeah. when you negotiated a deal where the other side said, hey, I'll pay off your visa as mm -hmm. part of the division. So you gave them some more assets to cover that $20,000 debt, and then they quit paying on your visa. Right. You're still responsible for paying that visa because it's your name on the card on the right. contract. Visa doesn't care. No, they really don't. They really so don't. So you may, you may have a cause of action against your spouse, but that's going to involve hiring lawyers mm -hmm. and having to go back to court. Right. And really trying to collect on that could be really difficult. Yeah. And, and expensive and time consuming. So. Uh, now, there is the idea that the community property is subject to liability for debts incurred during the marriage. So yes. I think that's where things kind of get confused because while the lender has a contract with the person who you know signed the mm -hmm. debt, mm -hmm. um, the fact is if there were ever to be a bankruptcy or, you know, either of you were to default, the creditor may come after, you know, community property. Yes. Community property, no matter whose name it's in is likely able to satisfy a debt that was incurred during the marriage. So it's really important to know when you're married to somebody what kind of debts they're acquiring mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and incurring because that could end up impacting uh, impacting your property rights down yes. the road. Yes. Um, what typically what do you tell people who say they, they you know they bought a car and they both signed on the car note but only one of them's going to keep the car after the marriage? I would say if your name is on the note, either pay it off <laughs> or make sure the other party, you know, that you have access to the records to make sure the other party is paying the note continually. Right. You need to certainly take steps to mm -hmm. protect um, your own credit rating because it can right. be really, really hard post-divorce. I always advise clients if the other party is order to pay a debt that's in my client's name, we really need to refinance the debt or sell the asset itself. And that protects my client completely from a creditor coming after them for a lack of payment by the, the other spouse. Yes. Which happens. <laughs> uh, now, sometimes, you know, in a marriage, parties will end up putting uh, you know, debt on one person's credit because maybe they have a better credit score. Mm -hmm. And so they they are carrying all the debt from the marriage. Um, what do we do in those situations? Usually that party will receive a larger share of the, you know, the black assets, the, the actual, you know, 
asset itself to offset the amount of liability that that party's incurring at right. the end of the divorce. So we always, we we have a tool that we use in our office, a spreadsheet. It's really fancy. Mysterious. That's why you do it. <laughs> but, you know, we're always looking at the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking mm-hmm. more of the debt, it may mean then you're also taking more of the assets that right. have value right? to, to equalize that division. Mm-hmm. There are lots of celebrity divorces that make the news and we read headlines about big alimony payments. Um, and big, you know, monthly payments that go on and on and on for years. Does that happen in a Texas divorce? Nope. Most of those are in California. <laughs> <laughs> or New York. I think New York, New York also has. Very true. Very right. true. So, no, Texas does not have alimony. So you will have to support yourself after the marriage. Now, there is a provision for spousal maintenance. Yes. How is that different than alimony? And what are some of the limitations on that? It's a very limited eligibility. It actually was passed as part of a welfare reform bill in the 90s, usually to keep Uh, divorced women off of state services. So that kind of tells you how extreme the case has to be to merit post-divorce spousal maintenance. Um, It's capped in duration and amount, and it's tied to typically the length of the marriage. So you have to have been married at least 10 years to make yourself even eligible to ask for spousal maintenance after a divorce. And one of the really important things is that you have to show that you are not able to provide for your own reasonable living expenses. Minimum reasonable means. That's right. So not to maintain the lifestyle that you had during the marriage. We're talking roof on your head, food on your table, gas in your car, those kind of things. And if you are at all able to hold a job where you can make your own rent payments and car payments, the court really won't think that you need the post-divorce maintenance. Right. And so that's a big wake-up call, I think, for a lot of people, especially we have a lot of Californians moving to Texas. And in our legal system, you know, we have community property division, which is supposed to be able to provide both spouses Uh with Uh that you know, their, their share of the marital assets. Yes. It can just be a big wake up call when the marital estate's been depleted and there's not much left. Right. Even if you have a large marital estate to know that this is all the money you're going to get from this marriage is this, you know, maybe a cash payment, maybe a portion of a retirement account. You're not entitled to ongoing payments for the rest of your life kind of thing. Okay. Now, Hannah, I'm thinking that, you know, I have probably have a neighbor and I probably have heard that my neighbor got alimony of $10,000 a month for 10 years. <laughs> um, and and I, I do want to address that there are cases where parties do agree, have agreed to alimony. And it used to be a few years ago, there were good tax incentives yes. for alimony, mm-hmm. but those tax incentives have gone away. Right. I think it was 2018 or 2019. The IRS no longer recognizes alimony as a tax deductible right. item. Um, but the parties can agree and have you know what we call contractual alimony. And that can be a way to avoid a long, lengthy court battle for a larger share of the community estate. If, you know, the higher earning spouse says, you know, I'll take care of you for a while, I'll give you this much for this many months, and we'll call it a day. And, you know, there certainly are times when the higher earning spouse, you know, does want to make sure that their right. their ex is going to be taken care of. And that could be a way to make some provisions for that. But if, if they're not willing to do that, mm-hmm. um, then probably you're not going to have much if you were to get any from the court. Right. Right. Courts are pretty loath to to award the, the post-divorce maintenance at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, and now I want to shift and talk a little bit about something that I think 
people really worry about before divorce? Um, and we just talk about practically, how does all the stuff get divided? The personal property? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when we say personal property, we mean kind of the things that are inside your house, clothes, jewelry, furniture, electronics, things like that. Um, and those are divided usually when the parties separate, which Texas does not have legal separation, but we kind of use that loosely in terms of when the parties are no longer living under the same roof. And they can go through and kind of take turns mm -hmm. and pick. And, and for the most part, lawyers really aren't involved in that process unless we need to be and for good right. reason because it can be really expensive to be involved in the division of pots and pans. Right. And refrigerator, refrigerator magnets and cookie cutters, things like that. It's going to be a lot more affordable to replace those items than to pay both attorneys to argue over those things. Right. We, and, we value them at uh, fair market value. So what could you get for it at a garage sale? So when we're talking about the value, if we have a whole lot of personal property to divide, we just want to give it kind of that fair market value, garage sale value, rather than what would it cost to replace this item? Now, if if the parties can, between themselves, kind of come up with a, this feels fair, mm -hmm. if they can agree on that, and mm -hmm. you know they can both kind of take the things that are important to them that they want, uh, maybe sell whatever's left over. Mm -hmm. um, but if, if one party is keeping most of the stuff, uh, a good place to begin to look to even value some of that stuff is like eBay. Craigslist. See, Craigslist. Yeah. Um, what I love about eBay is you can actually see what stuff is sold for yes um, but also Facebook has garage sale mm -hmm. listings and so you know you can go shop around and see what does a three-year-old use pottery barn bedroom set sell mm -hmm. for <laughs> in Dallas yeah in Dallas yeah and so that'll give you a good idea mm -hmm. of uh, what those assets can be worth right and if they're sizable like you know extensive bedroom sets living room furniture a huge house full of nice furniture then it probably will be a line item on the spreadsheet that we need to account for which parties getting this in the divorce and which party needs to be made whole by not getting this. And assets. usually that's a value that just gets negotiated mm -hmm. as part of the overall process. Right. We're not really having people come in and value, you know, pots and pans and, and pieces of furniture. Now, when people have artwork or they have a mm -hmm. wine collection or, you know, they've collected other valuable assets. Stamps and coin collections can be can be valuable. Yeah, and like so that. it can certainly be helpful to bring in an appraiser who mm -hmm. is experienced in that area mm -hmm. and give an appraisal. But, you know, we're always looking at does it make financial sense? What's the what's the amount in controversy? Are we going to spend more on this appraisal than the actual asset itself is worth? Often the time. The answer <laughs> is yes. <laughs> All right. So we've kind of gone through the overall framework and that is, you know, we're community property state. So everything's presumed to be mm -hmm. community property, like you said, and the, except if you can show separate property. We talked a little bit about separate property. Um, we talked about the stuff. I want to come back now to the five tips mm -hmm. to help people avoid costly mistakes in a divorce. Right, right. So I would say the first one is to keep yourself informed throughout the marriage. If your name is on a bank account, you're entitled to see those statements. Sign up for paper statements or get an online login. If you can't figure out how to do it, go down to the branch and they'll walk you through it, getting yourself an online login and actually look at the statements. What is our, what's our income each month? What's our spending each month? And have a good idea of what's incoming and outgoing from the community estate. All right, what is your second tip? Second tip would be disclose 
your information to your attorney during the suit. A lot of people think, well, that's a small account or it's only crypto or it's in my name only and I don't need to disclose it. You absolutely do. You have, like you said, you're a fiduciary to your spouse, but also there's ethical and legal obligations in the divorce process. And you will have to disclose all of your assets and liabilities. It will be much more costly in the end if we have to go back in and redivide assets after the divorce is over, because that will happen if it's if it comes out that an asset was undisclosed. Exactly. And I think, you know, there's nothing like um, a spouse who feels like you're not being honest and turning mm -hmm. over stuff that will kind of drive a lot of yes. expenses in the divorce process. It does sort of ramp up the conflict and the contentiousness of the divorce to where we're not focused on the big picture anymore. We're focused on, you know, we're missing this statement or that statement or he spent this on that. And, you know, again, we're not we're not looking at the big picture and focused on our goal of ending the marriage. Exactly. All right. Number three. Number three. <laughs> um, I would say keep keep your eye on those big picture goals. Don't get lost in the weeds. Don't get caught up on the principle of the matter because it does. Oh. It's so costly and it happens a lot. It's difficult to keep your eye on that on that big picture finish line of finishing the divorce, you know, in one piece, but you'll keep your sanity a lot more if you let those little things go. Yeah, we've seen people, I mean, I think it's a really common normal mm -hmm. response to, you know, kind of get attached to, you know, maybe maybe it's something sentimental mm -hmm. or maybe it's the Christmas decorations or something in the whole, you know, mm -hmm. scheme. Everybody's got their thing. Right. And, you know, when, when everything else gets settled, but we're down to that one thing, it can really feel like that the whole success of your divorce is hinging on that one thing. Right. Those small items that may be sentimental, but you want to keep your, your sanity and your emotions in check to survive and, you know, extend your sanity beyond the divorce. And that's why I think what you said is so important. If you have clearly articulated goals at the outset, mm -hmm. and even when you begin the divorce, um, maybe you don't, but during the divorce process, really work on those goals because that's going to be the, the measuring stick by which you can look back and say, all right, you know, did I accomplish what I needed mm -hmm. to accomplish in the divorce process? Yeah. A good attorney will help you articulate those goals and stick with them, you know, instead of going down a rabbit hole about the April 2017 statement. Well, remember, you know, our big goal was to get you out of this in, you know, a financially whole manner. So we're going to focus on that and keep moving forward. Exactly. Um, now we talked about separate property and we come into the marriage. So mm -hmm. what is your fourth tip for to help people avoid costly mistakes? Keep records, keep your statements. Remember banks only have to keep your statements for seven years in most cases. So it's on you. It's your responsibility to keep those records. And I think these days it's so easy to download those PDFs just, you know, maybe at the end of the year as you're mm -hmm. preparing for taxes, go in and just download everything you can get. Mm -hmm. If the bank doesn't give you access going back seven years and go to the branch right now and get, get those statements going back as far as they can. Right. Um, it used to be in the old days when I started practicing that, you know, we didn't really have all of the online PDFs. And so people would have, you know, file 
cabinets filled with records. And these days it's so much simpler. So mm -hmm. just make yourself a little file, maybe have a little, you know, hard drive, external hard drive that you can save things on mm -hmm. and just keep, keep it in a safe place. That will also make it a lot easier and more affordable when the time comes to share those documents with your attorney. Here's my flash drive. It has all of my, you know, chase statements on here. Exactly. <laughs> we love that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we utilize Dropbox a lot too. So that's right. a great place to keep it in the mm -hmm. cloud. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Finally, I think this is probably one of the most important tips. Uh, tell us the fifth tip. Time, time, time. It's your most valuable asset. You can make up your financial losses over, you know, over time after the divorce. You're never going to get these months back that you're spending in the process. So <coughs> focus on the big picture and get through, put your head down and get through this suit know why you can exactly and mm -hmm. hopefully it will only be months instead yes. of years and yes it usually is it, it usually is it usually is but we do see cases where they does drag on for years mm -hmm. and it's it takes a toll for sure and it's i would say usually avoidable exactly well thank you so much for taking time to come and sit down and talk with me, me about texas property issues we have a lot more videos on topics that may be of importance to you whether you have a small business i'll invite you to check out the interview we did with robert bales uh, who talks about business valuations and also when it comes to dividing your marital residence we did an interview with john snell and i would encourage you to take a look at that as well thank you so much and of course we would love it if you would subscribe to our video like and leave a comment below let us know what property questions you have maybe that we didn't get to today thank you so much <music>